It's Pete Price, it's podcast time, and I am sitting underneath John Lennon. Bless him. Tell you more about that in a minute. I'm with Robin Tudor. Hello, Robin. Hi, Pete. How are you? It's that time of year again. <laughs> it is. When we talk about Liverpool Airport, because there's some exciting news. First of all, tell everybody who you are. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Robin Tudor. I'm, uh, my title here is um, Head of PR and Communications, which means that I look after a lot of the kind of media relations for the airport um, and also what, what's often referred to real kind of jargon um, stakeholder engagement as they call it which is basically me talking to it could be like local authority or it could be the business community and telling people about what's going on at the airport and all the great things you can do and fly to from here at Liverpool and you've been doing it for a long time I have I have many years yeah I mean when I first started here at the airport um, you know we handled around about half a million passengers something like that and um, just before Covid we were ten times bigger than that um, and we'll be well back onto the road for, for recovery as we are at the moment so we'll be back at about 5 million by the end of this year so significant, I've seen significant changes here over the years that's for sure Now we're, we're sitting under John Lennon and there's a, a member of uh, the public wanted to take a photo I think of John Lennon, do you want us to move? It's okay buddy. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's right. Explain where we're sitting because uh, they'll all be going, what's that about? Yeah, well there's, there's um, we've had the John Lennon statue here now um, since uh, 2002 I think it was um, and uh, when we changed the name of the airport from just being Liverpool Airport to Liverpool John Lennon Airport um, Tom Murphy had done a sculpture, a famous sculpture of John Lennon um, and um, we put it in here at, at the airport and, and at that time it's actually in an area where all passengers would kind of walk past it's on what's to refer to as like a kind of mezzanine floor if you like so it's the area anybody's familiar with the airport that overlooks the checking area so if you're checking it at the airport you look up to your right then you'll see the John Lennon statue looking down on everybody um, and, and it's in an area now which is tend to mainly used by staff we've got a lot of airline offices up in this area and staff offices um, but yeah it's, it's still often used as it was just then by, by members of the public who want to come and take a picture of it which they're very welcome to do and it is rather beautiful it really is rather beautiful yeah, I have a drink of coffee you know how casual these <laughs> interviews are let's be negative to start off and get that out of the way looking back did you ever think you would come through the pandemic? It was tough. It, it really was tough times for us. Um, as I said before, I've been here a long time and the nearest thing I'd ever seen to anything like that was when we had the famous Icelandic volcano many years ago, the ash cloud, which completely shut aviation and the airport came to a halt, as it did at every airport, almost across Europe, to be honest. Um, and, you know, for a week, we had an empty terminal, no passengers... You know, silence in the building, no flights coming and going. And, and, and at that time, time, you know, a week seemed like an eternity. With COVID, we had the same situation where aviation just ground to a halt. Um, we did have some flights. We, we actually had two flights a day between here and the Isle of Man, which we kept going with the help of the airline because they were really important because they're bringing in patients from the Isle of Man over to Liverpool to then go on to uh, for cancer care treatment in hospitals in the northwest. So that was really important, that flight continued. But other than that, um, there was nothing. And that silence and that eeriness in the place. And to not have any idea how long this was going to go on for was a really scary time. And, you know, it wasn't unique to us. So we knew that, you know, with government help and government intervention and things like the furlough scheme, because, it, you know, the whole pandemic impact on business affected everybody. But it, it was a really worrying time, definitely. And I think the biggest fear was 
would it come you know would passenger numbers return as we get through the the, the, the pandemic um, and if so well how long would it take to get back to where we were before because airports like liverpool we rely on on footfall as we call it so we need millions of passengers a year to make the business work basically you know you can't operate an airport with two flights a day um, we needed decent footfall so yeah we were we were worried thankfully as we look back you know we're well on that road to recovery and, and not far off what we were before pre-covid um but very very worrying times that's for sure robin um i wrote about this in my column not so long ago it's not um anything to do with Liverpool airport but i'd love your views on this as a problem and it is a problem the behavior now of passengers on planes is a disgrace but all airports also get blamed because they're serving alcohol so what do you say and this is just one airport and we're talking every airport in the world not this country in the world yeah it is it's it's something that we are immensely frustrated with at times um i mean thankfully it is still rare if you look at the volume of traffic that we as an airport have but it does happen and we've seen it happen here on flights that have departed from Liverpool and you know as you rightly say it's about a balance you know some people say well just don't have bars and selling sell alcohol at an airport but then that means that the vast majority of passengers come through here who drink responsibly who you know want a quick drink before they go away and it's all part of that holiday part experience of the holiday. Yeah. it's part of that experience and that's what it's all about and it would be you know huge crying shame if we lost all of that um, so it's about striking a balance and, and what we take take this really you know from a responsibility point of view um, we look at it very carefully and so the, the staff the bar staff that work here we try and keep an eye on, on passengers to make sure that if they're going over the limit on what we think is going to be expected of them in terms of safety on board an aircraft then they won't sell them any drinks it's, it's quite as simple as that and staff at the gate if they believe somebody you know is over the limit if you like in terms of what will be safe operation of an aircraft without that individual on board then they will refuse them to, to get on the board of the they aircraft. Will. They will refuse it, and it has happened many times. And what we then see is the passenger gets very irate, very upset, um, can sometimes be very abusive, uh, can be aggressive, and that's when the police come. We've got a police base here at the airport. They'll escort them away, and then the individual will probably wake up the next day and regret the whole thing because, A, they've lost the money on the flight, they're not going on holiday, they thought they were going, um, and just as important, chances are the airline will have banned them so they won't even sell them a future ticket to go and travel with them again. So there's huge implications for individuals to act responsibly. And, and it's, but it, it's about a balance, and, and yet we've seen it increase over the years and we'll, we'll continue to monitor it very, very carefully to make sure that everybody else on that flight can have a safe, enjoyable journey. I think it's very interesting you say about banning them. Um, I really do believe that anybody that puts a plane in danger should be banned for life. I don't think there should be any argument, and I think everyone listening right now would agree with me on that. No, I, I, absolutely. It's totally unacceptable. You know, our number one priority as an airport is the safety of passengers as they're travelling through here and as they leave here and board an aircraft. And then obviously you're in the hands of the airline and they take safety again as their number one priority. So anybody that threatens that or jeopardises that... Um, simply should not be allowed to travel it's 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 as black and white as that now we're talking about your airport but this also happens at every airport so i'm not defending it but it happens at every airport the drop-off points that you have to pay for what is this all about why can't something be given back yeah it, it it's a very contentious issue um and 
you know, we will freely admit we were one of the first airports to actually introduce the, the, the pick up and drop off charge. Why do we do it? Um, a lot of people will say, well, it's just about being greedy and trying to fleece passengers and get as much money as you can from them. Um, and undoubtedly, there is a commercial reason behind everything that we do at the airport because we're not a charity we have to cover our costs more importantly um, to enable this business to operate as it does today however the reason we introduced it here was because if we had a clean sheet of paper to design the airport from scratch we probably wouldn't have the pick up and drop off area where it is today but the airport as many airports do they evolve over time and, and so you can't always have everything I think so you've got to make the best of it so we had a situation where the free drop-off and pick-up area is is quite small um, but it's surrounded by the main car park Um, and what we had to do was try and manage the use of that area because sadly what we were finding as all airports do and particularly when we used to have parking right outside the front door when you have an area that's set aside as to be pick up and drop off sadly very few people actually pick up and drop off and depart what they do is they arrive they look at the watch and say, oh, my mate's not through yet. I'll just sit here for a few minutes. And, of course, they don't know how long they're going to be coming through. Sometimes we don't even know. It depends how long the bags take or whether there are going to be any issues at, at border control. So it's not an area to pick up and wait. You know, a waiting area is somewhere different. So that just became impossible to police because we've had staff out there saying, are oh, you waiting for like, well, if you're waiting, you need to move on if there's nobody here. And that just became impossible. And... and so as a, as a drop-off area, yes, nobody wants to hang around once they've, they've dropped off, but it's about managing that space. And the volumes that we were having coming through was causing congestion, and then people couldn't get out all this. But if you set a time limit, I'll tell you what, you can have it for free for 10 minutes. It gets to nine and a half minutes, and then people start racing to the exit barriers to get out before the 10 minutes. And you're then into all sorts of health and safety issues. So it's never easy to manage that, that, that area. So what we did... We put some charges in, but from day one, we always said we will have a free drop-off area and pick-up area. It's just slightly further away, and it's literally a five-minute walk. It's just next door to the car hire compound. So it's still there. So if you want to wait and pick somebody up, you've got now 40 minutes for free. 40 minutes. It's interesting you say that because Manchester now, if you wait somewhere else, you can actually get fined £100 if you're on camera. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We have... It's called a red route all around the airport, which are double red lines. And if you wait on those areas, despite all the signage, and I, I, I've lost count how many signs we've got advising people, then you will get a similar sort of fine. But we have what's called drop-off two, where you can wait for 40 minutes. It's becoming more and more popular, understandably, and particularly by a lot of um, taxi drivers and private hire drivers who are waiting for a flight. And you can sit there and wait for 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, then if you want to come into the pickup area, then you can move your vehicle and pick up and be in there for two or three minutes and away you've got, you've got to pay. Or you wait there and you instruct your passengers or you go and meet them and walk over to that area. So we've always done that. I've always said we will continue to do that so that we're giving people a choice. If you want the most convenient, the best possible spot, you pay for it effectively if you don't you know, that's not an issue then yes you can use it for free and it's just a five minute walk away i'm at uh, the john lennon airport the liverpool airport with robin um, and we're talking a little bit negative at the beginning and then we'll get to the positive stuff once again not your airport every airport major problems uh, you've had over the months with baggage yeah, it's and, and a lot of that. Um, I mean, I'm pleased to report that we've not had 
very many of those issues here, here at Liverpool. And that's been the been the real big success for us over the last you know twenty four months. Um, to be honest with you, throughout COVID and beyond, the operators here they staffed up, they got sufficient people in. We didn't have some of the delays and chaos that was seen by airlines at other airports. So baggage problems and some of those scenarios you saw at other bigger airports with bags piling up one after the others every flight came in and nobody there to unload them we, we haven't really had those issues and, and when we have they've been few and far between and um, so we've well, I think we've you know the, our business partners we call them the, the, the people that unload the, the flights people like Swissport for example people are the biggest operator doing this as they are at many airports um, they've staffed up sufficiently so that um, you know bags are offload and flight. Sometimes it can take a little bit longer than we'd like. That's that's just the nature of it. You know, sometimes staff can't they can still be short staffed at times. But more often than not, yeah, passengers have continued to have a really good experience through here. Now, as you know, after the pandemic, when flights started coming into uh, land again, and it started, the health and safety was unreal. The masks, the, it, it took forever. Where are we up to now in this airport and in? general and i presume all you airports talk together we do and, and what we do here is heavily regulated so the way we run the airport particularly from say a security point of view um we don't just do that ourselves then the, the government it's called the department of transport they regulate airports on what to do and how to do it um so there should be some good consistency across the board whether you fly from heathrow liverpool newcastle you name it um and to be honest we're pretty much now back to where we were pre-pandemic so we don't have the you know the big stickers on the floor telling you to keep a meter apart you don't have to have a face mask as you travel um we still have the a few of the screens up to protect it between passengers and, and say check-in staff at times but i suspect they will probably come down over time as well they're not essential these days um so for most people that experience of going through an airport before covid it's pretty much as it was sort of now is, is as it was before. So um, you know, my advice always is, of course, do check, particularly with your airline, because airlines can differ in what they do and how they do it. Um, I can't think of any that now... Singapore away. Airlines was still using masks last time I went. And there we go, there we go. So I think almost certainly all the airlines operating out here don't now stipulate face masks, but say... Things change. Uh, do check with your airlines. It's dead easy. Go on the website. There's loads of information out there. There's no excuse for, for not being able to check, that's for sure. Amazing um, that people don't realise uh, the masks, the, the hand gel and everything cost you and every airport and everybody else that's done it a vast amount of money. And people didn't realise, do they? They took it for granted. They did, they did. And, and we, what we did was, um, again, we kept saying, look, individuals traveling you've got to take some responsibility in this you know everybody's responsible for their own kind of health and safety to a certain extent and we you know when it was a stipulation that you cannot travel unless you have a face mask as it was in the early days then it's not for us as the airport to provide that you've got to provide that yourself and so we had machines so if you didn't you forgot you didn't realize you had to do that then we had machines here i think they're still here today because they sell hand gel on the likes um and you put your coin in there or you use your your contactless card and um, you could purchase what you needed to get on a plane so we weren't preventing anybody from flying if they weren't prepared in advance but that's the key to it and that in, in some respects is a bit like the scenario with the plastic bags 
if you go through security and you've got to take your liquids, they're supposed to be in a very small, sealable plastic bag again. Rules that have been out there for years and years, probably about 15 years that's been the case now. But we still get people who don't bring them and, and expect us as the airport to provide them for free. And, and we don't. We, we did initially, but as you say, it was costing us a lot of money. And it's up to individuals. To, you know, they can purchase it. We've got a machine that sells yeah. them. But you, know, you can get a whole job lot at Asda for a fraction of cost and, and that's what we'd recommend people do. You preempted me on that. Do you shake your head in disbelief at the people that travel all the time and still can't get their head around what you can take in your hand luggage? It, it, it never ceases to amaze me. And, and to be fair, it's not, not a criticism of any one individual. We're always very conscious that, particularly for some people, flying might be once a year. Post-pandemic, it may be the first time in three or four years and you know you've got to remember i've got my passport i've got my boarding card on my phone now i've booked that transfer a lot of things to think about and and going through security and remembering what size the liquids are might be the last thing in your in your mind to be honest with you but you know, it's what i said before there's a lot of information out there none of this is new we've had liquid um, restrictions for 15 years I think it is now hopefully the good news is they were going to be lifted next year because we're all bringing in some wonderful new high-tech equipment that will alleviate some of those issues I'm pleased to say but at this moment in time and certainly throughout this summer um, it's exactly the same as it was before I know you won't have a go at your colleagues in the other airports I'll say it uh, because I love saying it I love saying this this is, and I've travelled extensively, the most friendly airport ever. You do the job exactly like every other airport, but for some reason or other, they put a smile on the face, and when you're going through security, they still have a laugh and a joke. Why isn't this happening in other airports? I think there's no doubt that the size of, of this airport is a, is a huge help, because staff that work here you know the common feedback we get from staff not, not just that work for us as the airport company but they work for the airlines they work for security they work in starbucks you name it um there's a kind of a family feel to it um you're all in this together if you like and kind of everybody kind of understands that if somebody lets them down by being a bit grumpy and not very friendly at either checking or serving them a cup of coffee then it upsets the whole experience. And so we all try and give everybody a really good experience because we want people to come back and continue to use Liverpool and go doing, as you know, you often do, Pete, telling everybody all the great things about, about this airport. I think as you're a bigger airport, it gets a bit more difficult just to control that. Uh, and and that's, as I say, that's something that as we get bigger, you know, that will be a challenge for us, there's no doubt about it. But we're in a good place at the moment. And we, you know, last year we won an award, which was the Witch um, annual airport survey which is an independent survey it's a, it's a huge thing and we came the, we were the best airport we were joint best airport to be fair with Exeter but the, the, they were the top two and a lot of that feedback was all about the experience how friendly it was ease of access getting through hassle free the whole kind of ambience about it was what we scored really, really well on, and that's, that's something that's important. Now, am I right in uh, assuming, you, first of all, you've had some phenomenal news, but am I right in assuming that now this airport is open to the world? It is, it is. And, Explain and, that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a bit um, it's strange, really, that before COVID, we were doing really well, um, had over 5 million passengers, had some good flights and good connections. 
But what we've seen since COVID, even though the numbers aren't yet back to where they were, but we've had some really important new developments with airlines actually committing, which I think is great because it's a sign of their confidence in Liverpool going forward, despite you know the, 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 the impact of the pandemic. So first off was um, Lufthansa. So um, at a time when the Omicron variant was just coming to the fore, um, a lot of nervousness about airports and flying again and Lufthansa announced that we're going to operate from Liverpool for the first time um, and the significance of that was that they said right in May of 22 we're going to start and we're going to fly from Liverpool to Frankfurt but with a connection or connections to the rest of their, their global networks that means that you use Frankfurt as a what's called a hub and what that means is that they have flights coming in all over the world feeding into Lufthansa and then they have flights from airports like Liverpool that feed into it. So effectively, you want to go from Liverpool to, let's say, Australia, then you can book on a flight with Lufthansa, you check in at Liverpool, you check your bag in, but your end destination is not Frankfurt, it's somewhere in Australia, or Singapore, or the Middle East, or the States, wherever. Um, so you just get off the plane in Frankfurt, you change aircraft, you transit through the airport, get onto the next that long haul flight, you arrive at your destination, you pick up your bags at the destination. You don't recheck in, you don't have to collect your bags at Frankfurt, that's all done for you. So that connectivity, as we call it, came to us for the first time in over 10 years. And so that people could now visit Liverpool as they have been from all over the world. So that, that, that was the first. Um, and then more recently, oh, and, and Lufthansa have done so well that they've just increased for this year from three a week to six a week because it's doing really well. And then just a couple of months ago, um, we announced that Aer Lingus were coming back to Liverpool. They fly Liverpool to Dublin, but it's exactly the same thing. They do Dublin and then connect onwards, particularly to the US. They've got a really strong um, connecting flights over to places like New York and Philadelphia and Boston and Washington. Um, and you go through Dublin Airport, you actually clear US customs and immigration in Dublin Airport. So you actually then arrive on a flight into, say, New York as a domestic passenger. So you can wave at all the international passengers queuing up wow. for hours on end, wow. trying to get through security and immigration. And you've, you've already done that at Dublin Airport and saved a huge amount of time. So, so we've now got these two great connections to, to global you know, destinations. You know, and it's a great people travelling out but just as important for people wanting to visit Liverpool they can now do that so much easier from across the world I love the Dublin that's it's, a brilliant it is it's, a, it's one of the best kept secrets because the queues in America can be two hours absolutely and it, it's just a really good way so they, they, you know if anybody's done it they'll know what I'm talking about that you say so you you go from the you go from Liverpool to Dublin you change aircraft you go through a certain area in Dublin airport which is staffed by US immigration people so it's just like arriving yeah, yeah. in the US and you clear customs and immigration and then you arrive you say you board the flight and then that's it you're effectively on a, what's like a domestic flight but it's a long haul flight into wherever it's great what do you say to people robin once again it's not just you it's everyone it, in fact it's not you as much uh, with the cancellations of flights is this the airlines messing about or w w what's going on yeah i mean airlines never like to cancel flights they don't do, they never cancel a flight just because they you know, can't be bothered to operate that flight for the day. Um, they do this simply because um, there'll be a very good operational reason. And what a lot, particularly some of the low-cost airlines, what they often will do is if they've got, let's say, a technical problem with an aircraft, the way it works is that a flight will perhaps start its day at one airport, let's say Liverpool, 
and that flight will go from Liverpool to, let's say, Malaga, and it'll come back, and then it'll do Liverpool to Alicante, then Liverpool to Paris. So it'll do two or three flights a day. If that has a technical problem, it doesn't just impact on that one flight, it impacts on the other flights that are lined up for that aircraft during the day. So what often airlines will do, rather than impacting on the rest of the day's operation, they will cancel the one flight, which affects it, which is very bad news for everybody that's on that flight, particularly. But it gives them the flexibility to sort out the other remaining flights, perhaps using some some other aircraft, um, and to minimise the disruption for a greater number of people, if you like. So that's often the reason. Sometimes it can simply be shortage of staff, totally you know, out of control for whatever reason. Somebody's called in ill, a pilot or whatever, um, and the airlines are still trying to recover as we are as an industry with staffing levels. They just haven't perhaps got the level of staffing resource that they had pre-pandemic, so there's not that backup that they had previously. So it's a situation that none of them want to be in. Some are better than others at managing it, I think it's fair to say. Um, And certainly, I mean, I'm pleased to report that here at Liverpool, we particularly last summer, we saw some cancellations, but again, very few compared to what was seen elsewhere. So it's just part of the nature of air travel, unfortunately. It's, it's something that is, is rare, but very frustrating, and we really understand that from a passenger's point and of view. And also, Robin, some fabulous news. Uh, Jet 2, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, for the airport, it was probably biggest um, development in business in over 10 years uh, I would, probably, probably longer than that actually um, because what Jet2 announced was that they're going to operate um, f- they're going to base four aircraft here at Liverpool and run flights to 20 destinations from here um, all starting for next summer so there's a decent lead up to this it's not this year it's next year it starts in end of March 2024 um, and this will open up um, package holidays to to particularly for obviously from for people in the Liverpool city region who could already be customers of Jet2 and, and Jet2 are you know I said before we won the best airport in which they've won the best airline and best tour operator in which a um, couple of years on the run I think now so they are one of the best out there so quality um, and customer service particularly and all the issues that a lot of airlines and tour operators faced last year you very rarely saw any mention about Jet2 suffering because they, they, they managed it really, really well. So we were delighted they've chosen to operate out of Liverpool. So people who like to fly with Jet2, who couldn't fly out of their local airport or what, if they wanted to fly from Liverpool from further afield, now they can. And so for us, it's a huge, huge development. It, it, so it's, it's the biggest news for a long time. And the reason it's so important is because when we talk about inclusive tours or, or package holidays, whilst we have millions of passengers that go through here on holiday and we have to see now you know this flight's going through to a whole host of holiday destinations that's people booking the flight with say EasyJet or Ryanair and they may book their own hotel or their own villa or their own accommodation on Airbnb whatever uh, and they package it together themselves what you can't really do is go to an operator and say I want the hotel I want the car hire or I want the the, the bus transfers, I want everything as a package, you know, that traditional package. That's what we've been lacking here for some time. And that's exactly what Jet2 do. They also do flight only, if anybody wants that, which is great. But they sell packages, and whether it's villas, all-inclusive, you name it. And just as important is the fact that local travel agents who couldn't sell anything out of Liverpool 
now they can. It's, they've been, dem- not, I say demanding, but they've been asking for this for a long time as well. So it's been the most common question we've been asked over the past year, 10 years or so. When are you going to get Jet 2? Why don't Jet 2 fly at Liverpool? And with delights, they now they do. Now, we see all the work done on these big, ho- uh, uh, big airports. This is a small airport. We've had major problems. Is there any talk of a facelift? Um, not so much. I mean, yes, I mean, ahead of Jet 2, because that's going to bring, bring a big increase in passenger numbers. We've got to do a bit of work, particularly in areas probably like the arrivals area. We recognise that's, that's probably the area that's, that's lacking in terms of space at the moment. So we're just looking at some, probably some quick fixes and then some longer-term fixes. Um, to be honest, yes, there's always a programme of kind of facelift and improvements in, in certain areas of the departure lounge that we've been doing in recent years, and we'll continue to do that. Um, in terms of expansion... At the moment, we don't really need to because we kind of future-proof things. We, we can take about six and a half million passengers through here at the moment. Um, Pre-COVID, we were just over five million and we're not back at that yet. So we know in terms of the volumes that we can cope. People have said, oh, can you cope with Jet 2? Yes, we can, is the quick answer. If it goes how we hope it will go, then we're going to need to look at, yeah, expanding and, and developing it. That's, that's a little bit into the future as yet. But infrastructure-wise, that's the great thing. People like the airport because it does have that space it is still relaxed and, and that will still be the case in the next certainly over the next 12 18 months you are unique in one thing i don't think any other uh, airport in the world does it and i'm looking at it now there's one entrance right at the bottom and there's always somebody collecting for charity early hours of the morning and you've done it for years do they do well they do they do otherwise they wouldn't keep coming back to be honest with you and, and charities and working with local groups has been really important to us you're right they, they, there's, a, there's a charity company down at the bottom there and they they're very grateful for passengers coming past and, and throwing a few coins their way and, and we as an airport you know, we, we, our, our charity as an airport is Alder Hay. Um, we're in the process of just raising around about £80,000 for a new neonatal unit there. So working and putting something back is, is part of what we're all about, really. And it's back to that, what I said before, about this kind of family-friendly feeling within the staff. Um, and a lot of the fundraising that we do as the airport is, is not as, us as the company dictating that, it's actually the staff themselves yeah. doing this and all collaborating together. And, you know, the last few weeks we've had our fire crew down at the local retail park doing car washes with a great big fire engine down there um, raising money which then goes to all the hay so little things like that and people you know they did fantastic well because people love to share in that kind of thing and just get involved and say, oh yeah it's great it's lads from the airport kind of thing if i didn't have to i wouldn't go to any other airport but this and i, I say that quite quite openly i've always loved this airport it's great to uh, to actually come here and i'm finding more and more people are coming here because I, I, I spoke to some people from bolton some people from hull who come here rather than go to manchester are you finding that more definitely definitely and i think last year with all that was going on elsewhere um we certainly saw people who hadn't chosen Liverpool before and were making a conscious decision and I think importantly having had a great experience the, the feedback was well why would I go from anywhere else now and even if I live in Manchester or I live the other side of Manchester you know it was almost that well at least I know when I get to Liverpool I can just I can be through into the departure lounge in less than 10 minutes there's a better chance my flight being on time and when I get home I can get through get my bags be on my way probably quicker than it takes me to walk from the aircraft into the customs hall at some other airport. So um, that experience is, is, 
you know, reputation of the airport and that experience is growing certainly well outside of, of, of the city region there. To finish off, Robin, I've taken enough of your time. Um, have you got a busy summer ahead? Yes, I'm pleased to say, certainly a lot busier than, than the last two. Um, and, you know, we can see we're obviously now very close to the beginning of the school holidays, so that'll be the peak season for us. Um, you know, there's a lot of people still jetting off, despite kind of cost of living crisis that we always, that we're all you know, very conscious of. There's still a lot of people for whom going away for that summer holiday is very precious and they'll, they'll save every penny to do that so yeah we're expecting a very busy summer once again which is great you've been here many many years doing the job you've got a phenomenal team you actually must love this place i do i do um i feel i'm very passionate about it you know i think that i've been very proud to work here and see it go from what it was when i first joined um to what it is today and, and by no means am i one of the longest serving employees we've got staff who've been here I think I heard the other day our, our oldest will have been here 40 years shortly. Um, and, and that's synonymous, I think, what it's all about. The people, you kind of get it, you get aviation in your blood for a start, and it's something that, that you, you, you do tend to stay with. Um, but this airport, and I think the city region that it, it reflects, and working with, you know, whether it's working with the council or working with local businesses, um, everybody kind of gets it, and we're all in this together. And, and like Eurovision was a great example of that, how oh. we all came together as a city. You know, us as a bit of a gateway for everybody, and then the city pulling together. So it's a great place to work. Yeah, no just get, you mentioned that, and I was going to finish off with that. Give us a flavour of what it was like here, because <laughs> what I say is football fans, watch, look and learn, because it was all about love. There was no violence. Three arrests at the weekend, <laughs> you know, in a city full of mm. millions of people. It, it was fantastic. And, um, you yeah, know, for us, it kind of started about two weeks out from the actual, you know, that, that Saturday evening when it was the final, when a lot of the delegates started to arrive. Um, I remember I came in on the, the Sunday to meet um, the contestant from Israel because we had the flight coming in, an El Al flight, which never had El Al as an airline here before. Wow. They flew in specially, bringing in their, 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 their entrant. Um, and, uh, you know, we were there out on the apron, kind of welcoming her to, to Liverpool. Um, but I think summed up for me by probably two things. One, the phrase I keep hearing time and time again was just the word bonkers. This is just bonkers what's going on in, in terms of what a fun everybody was having a great time. Everybody was pulling together. It was just a pleasure to be a part of it. And we had a civic welcome here at the airport for the Ukrainian entrance, um, which was quite sobering at times because they came in and um, we kind of held them but they didn't actually know there was going to be a reception for them and we had the Lord Mayor with his chain of office ready to do a little bit of a speech um, and we held them back in arrivals because they came in on a Ryanair flight from Warsaw so just a normal flight like normal passengers um, and while we kind of waited for the rest of the passengers just to, to pass through we were chatting to them and they were saying how the day before they were in a bomb shelter in Kiev doing a rehearsal jumping on the plane the next day from we had to get over to Warsaw then to fly into here and it kind of put it all into context really but then as they came out we had the Liverpool signing choir who I'm sure many of your listeners know a fantastic group um, and they signed the Ukrainian national anthem to them outside the arrivals area as they came through the doors there was a the Lord Mayor with a speech with his chain and then to my right was Philocrack, the drag act there to welcome them, all dressed up with a Ukrainian flag and gave them a quick medley of a few songs. It was just this eclectic mix of 
diverse mix of people from the serious to the bizarre. It was just, and that summed up the whole kind of event. It was, it was just fantastic. Robin, only in Liverpool? Only in Liverpool. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why not subscribe? You know it's free. So join us and tell your friends. It's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting P-Price on. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 interviews. Join us. Subscribe. It's free.